Thank you for uh, tuning in to what is the first of our health and care podcasts uh, from CGI. I'm Stuart Parsons. I'm one of the directors here at CGI. I've been working with the health sector for a number of years now in various guises. And I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Justine Ewing today. Uh, Justine, want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello everyone. Really great uh, to be here today. I've been with CGI for about four years, coming up for five years now. Um, prior to being in CGI, I used to be the chief executive for the Scottish Government's Digital Health and Care Innovation Programme, um, working across all of the various um, health boards, local authorities and uh, community voluntary sector. Um, joined CGI four years ago to get involved in the local authority work that we've been doing. Um, but over the last year, I've now uh, taken a leadership role in supporting the strategic ambition and support for health and social care integration across the UK and Australia. So really looking forward to the conversation, Stuart. So uh, I think it's fair to say that we're seeing a real change during the present uh, COVID climate. And there's a lot more focus now on supporting care you know, closer to the home. And I thought we'd just spend some time exploring why we think that is, uh, what digital interventions are available to support this change and and also help people understand a little bit more about what CGI are looking to do within the sector. I think just think it's fair to say we've had some real interesting conversations with our clients for the last couple of months and years. Uh, it comes from our global study uh, where we get a lot of insight that helps steer our strategy and our thinking. But I think it's fair to say there's a number of similar themes have emerged with everybody that we've been speaking to. I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about that for us today. So I think this is a really great point to start on. You know, I've been working in the health and care space now for about 12, 13 years. We've been talking about doing more in the community, better integration between health and care, domiciliary care, as well as care at home. And actually, COVID has accelerated quite a lot of the ambition. Um, so whilst COVID has been a really challenging time for a lot of people, there are quite a few silver linings that have come from this which is that you know we have been able to collaborate much better together. We have broken down some of the boundaries around sharing data. And I think this the great opportunity that presents itself right now is that we are able now to think about how we become a much more modern, engaging um, health and care system that do have patients and citizens at the heart that starts in their own home. We are definitely seeing that drive now um, from a virtual ward perspective and the leadership on that has been driven by NHSX and there's some really great work happening right across the country there. But I do think that one of the biggest changes that we have seen is from a, a citizen perspective, you know, their willingness um, and level of engagement to adapt and adopt a new way of engaging with health and care recognising though that that's still pretty hard to do um, and for some people um, you know there is a real concern about losing that face-to-face -face engagement but making sure that we can deliver the right care at the right time in the right place by the right person digital can really support that which will create capacity back into the system will create better ways of working and I think we've got a really good opportunity now on the back of some of this. No I, I agree and I think this like with any change, I think there's a lot of different pressures that can drive that demand and that need. Um, obviously, at the moment in this country, we've got that kind of macro environment view, uh, our COVID recovery. Uh, there's the 
uh, ever in the news, elective healthcare backlog uh, inside a lot of these um, organization institutions. But also there's the, the workforce availability and sustainability side of things. You know, I think we need to be aware of the general availability of staff at present uh, and the vacancies there are. And thus, you know, can we empower uh, patients more to treat themselves? Uh, but also the wellness factor you know, of our, our current NHS staff. We're doing you know, a sensational job, but I think it's important for us to keep those factors in mind as well when we're, we're looking at how we can support and how we can help. And there's also elements uh, outside of that to consider. You know, for me, things like social determinants around our population demographics. We've got an aging population uh, more likely to experience chronic conditions, uh, potentially bringing more acute support needs. Thus, you know, needing greater care for longer. It makes sense for us to do some of this outside those NHS establishments that are under significant pressure already. You know, doing it safely and using that digital technology to help. And like you say, I think you know, there's some potential really large opportunity for us to to come in and support that. But I guess you're seeing there's a a real move to you know meeting that citizen demand as well of a more personalised care approach. Your thoughts on that? Yes, this is a really complicated environment. You know, when we start to think about individual citizens, patient cohorts, the demographics, digital inclusion as well as exclusion, readiness to use digital technologies. So for us in CGI, our view is very definitely about what is the problem that we are trying to solve. You really understand that first. But the key thing is that, you know, there used to be a view that older people would have less acceptance around using digital technologies. I genuinely don't think that is the case um, anymore. And again, I think COVID has unfortunately accelerated um, maybe an unwillingness in some um, places before to accept technology, but it it has forced that, you know, a, a use of Zoom and teams and other other um, capabilities like that you know so I do think there is an overall growing expectation from you know certain areas I mean I, I've got a, a 10 um, a 24 and a 26 year old you know my, my 24 and 26 year olds have get you know won't go to a GB a GP surgery uh, they use the apps that are available to them they're quite prepared to self-serve you know, I do think that there's an awareness of um, levels of health and well-being also um, that I don't think we've seen levels of this before. And again, you know, the last two years have probably exacerbated that, you know, look after yourself, keep yourself healthy and well. Um, you know, and I think there is a growing ownership of personal devices. You know, I am lucky I am sitting with, you know, an iPhone, an iPad. You know, I've got my Apple Watch and my mum, you know, who is... 71 you know she's now got her Fitbit and focuses on doing her 10,000 steps a day you know there's so there's lots of different things around now that are starting to be seen as more of the norm and if we can do what we can do you know in terms of travel hospitality retail and banking online why would that not be the case for health so I think there's a growing acceptance um, that there's a lot more that can be done at home I think there's also a general consensus that if I can have that treatment at home, then why am I not getting it at home? Nobody really wants to be in a hospital. So um, a big part of supporting the elective um, backlog, you know, creating capacity to get more people into hospital that genuinely need to be there 
Um, you know, I think a, a massive part of that is going to be about helping the people that are in hospital right now that shouldn't be um, to get back home and digital in terms of that remote patient monitoring, supporting safety and security of the individual, both clinically and from a care perspective. All of that's available to be able to be done now. But what it really needs is a concerted effort around you know, workforce engagement, patient engagement, and then a whole system approach to the service redesign. That's more a little bit more difficult, but if to get this right, then that's what we need to do. No, that's great. I think we'll, we'll come on to that kind of whole system view in a second. I think for me, like you say, there's a, clearly a bit of a paradigm shift in, in care delivery that tech is starting to enable. And as you say, lots of different demographics and and people are accessing health and wanting to access health in different ways now and i've got different abilities to do so but i think what's interesting for me is the work we're doing you know, alongside some of those uh kind of global leaders in what's the crm you know the customer relationship management and seeing how we can turn that into a, a kind of patient relationship management tool and and helping our organizations understand more about the patient and you know what their their care needs are and how they are wanting to engage uh, with their healthcare providers. It's just fascinating, isn't it, in terms of, like, say, how we're seeing that move more and more to people wanting more understanding of how their care is being delivered and, and helping support that themselves and around with their kind of wider circle of care that looks after them as well. So it is a real interesting change. I mean, some of the tech that we are working on, obviously, is looking first at the data challenge, the data sharing bit, not only just locally now, but we're looking at that on more of a a regional level, you know, tackling mm -hmm. that challenge, the, the GB, GDPR, rather, sorry, you know, the consent challenges, we're just going to tackle those head on and just try and give our professionals the best joined up view of these patients and that we can and as much kind of care intel as we possibly can. So, you know, we can do that across multiple pathways and service functions. And like I said, hopefully that will really enable a lot of how uh, we want to support patients as they interact with these organisations. But let's just go back to something you just said around that whole system demonstrator. Um, and that seems, sounds to me like a different way of looking at things entirely. Yeah, and I'm going to be a little bit contradictory, which um, Stuart, I know you know, is not my style, um, as <laughs> I say with a wry smile. But, you know, I think that um, I don't really like to use the labels you know, around patients or, um, you know, clients. At the end of the day, we're all people. Um, and, and I think that, you know, you're a, you're a person when you're in a hospital, you're a person when you're in your own home, you're a person when you're shopping. But you're also a person when you're giving care, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, a carer, you know, an unpaid carer. And you're also a person if you're an executive that's got a really difficult decision to make in terms of what to fund and what not to fund, what to change, what not to change. And all of this, you know, it's all really about human-centred um, design principles for me. It's all really about taking that human rights approach to supporting a person to live the best possible life that they can live. And, you know, I think this whole system approach, we heard Sajid Javid talking about whole system demonstrators in November, um, there's been lots of chat around whole system redesign. What does that really mean? So from a public sector point of view, we invest significantly in health, in social care, in um, you know, supporting third sector organisations. 
We also support individuals directly through our benefit systems. So, you know, how do we connect all of that so that we have a single view of the person? And I'm not talking about big brother approach here or anything like that, but I am talking about for people who need support in whatever way or you know, shape or form that is, whether it's a care package or um, a community nurse or an, a knee transplant, then you know, how do we make sure that all of the people that are involved in supporting that person, um, you know, that circle of care, how do we get greater transparency and visibility of what's going on with that person so that we can do the right thing by them? Um, you know, and that for me extends to, you know, the opportunity, you know, to have a smart home that enables someone to be much more independent um, and, you know, enabling that person to, you know, have more choice over what happens to them and yeah. for that to be done in a way that, you know, is very, very joined up, that yeah, that no, person I'm... doesn't have to, you know, tell the person, tell the story three times to four different people. So, you know, I, I think there's a real opportunity to think about all of the assets that are already there together to your point, you know, how we connect that data in a much better way, how we yeah. put the infrastructure together that, you know, from a taxpayer perspective is much more efficient and effective. So I, I think there's a huge amount of opportunity um, to think differently um, at the moment. No, that's great. I think that touches on perhaps what some people listening to this might be thinking, you know, they've, they've heard us talk a little bit about that you know, multi-channel approach in terms of how mm. patients can engage. Uh, but they might also be asking themselves, well, you know, genuinely, what will I see different in my day to day? You know, how how does what you are doing actually, you know, link to uh, me and how I'm going to be cared for at home more? And you know, I guess fundamentally, the heart of this um, is what we're trying to say is, you know, we're allowing uh, health and care services to plan treatments around the whole lifestyle of a, of an individual, not just specifically about you know treating the disease. Uh, or the issue, but actually looking at the individual as a as a person as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's exactly right. Actually, you know, I think this opportunity to really understand, you know, how you know, I, I'm wearing my Apple Watch just now. There's loads of data on there about my heart rate. You know, I get the thing that tells me I need to breathe. Um, <laughs> you know, and that might be because I'm spending most of my day on Teams calls just now, but. You know, there is genuinely very good quality information in my watch that, um, and luckily I don't have any long-term conditions and I am fit and healthy. But, you know, in a case that I'm not, that that day-to-day -day living, pattern of living information might just give some real good clues, um, you know, to what's going on with me um, combined with, you know, medication, uh, adherence and other vital signs information. But equally, if if you know, from my mum, if she's in a care pathway of some description, for me to be able to know where she is in that and without yeah. having to be pestering and making phone calls to find out what's going on, you know, that that's a whole other world. That's so much better. It's a better patient experience. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. But I think, you know, in some respects, it would be um, wrong with not to think about some of the challenges this could bring mm -hmm. as well. I think, you know, mm -hmm. we've, we've talked a lot about the opportunities that this can bring, and I think, everyone would agree with that i think a lot of people within the industry have seen that you know over the last few months in terms of the change that covid has brought but you know, there are some challenges that come come with this and like you say some people just really enjoy the idea of um you know having that personalized one-to-one -one care it just you know uh, it is what they what they're after um and i think it's uh, this journey could take some time 
I think there's a fear as well that, you know, some of these technologies and the way care is being pushed out to the home um, might actually reduce clinical time to those who really need it the most. And it is, is it difficult, you know, it, from a staff perspective, you know, we'll go into more digital channels of engagement like video conferences actually involve a lead to burnout because there's so much around, so much information, so much more that is expected to be done. I think it's fair to say it won't be plain sailing, but I think at the moment the opportunities are going to weigh out those challenges and we'll navigate our way through. I guess we're still on a journey, I think is the point I'm trying to make. A lot of people are severely overwhelmed at the moment. I think health and care and families and people who are living with illness or concern. Genuinely, I think people are really tired, um, as I said, overwhelmed. I think we are a bit thin on the ground right now. So the thought of, you know, embarking on lots of change at a time, you know, when there is a lot of stress in the system, it almost feels like that's too hard. But I genuinely think that we need to find a way to help. And I think that industry partners like CGI have got a role to play. And for vulnerable and isolated people and citizens, you know, across the board who are maybe not or, or think they're saving, um, you know, I've, I've heard my own mum who's actually waiting for um, two knee replacements saying, oh, I don't want to bother the doctors, they're really busy, but she's living with chronic pain. So, you know, there's a, there's a bit of, you know, how do you get the psyche right, you know, in terms of the change that we need to make, bringing all that unmet need and unknown need forward that's going to be a big challenge for us recovering from um covid sorting out the elective care piece as a system you know there's there's a lot to do so starting to think about service redesign integration you know changing the way that just feels like that could be the tipping point so i guess i mean for me it almost feels like um you know we all need to come together it's a bit like the calling you know your country needs you i think public and private sector need to work together. I think we need to bring the wealth and strength of all of our knowledge and experience from different sectors, from different capabilities. I think we cannot underestimate the challenge um, and the difficulty that this is going to present. This is not an easy road to travel, but the opportunity and the outcomes to, you know, for a better work-life experience, a better citizen engagement experience, better clinical and care outcomes. And we just can't keep doing what we've always been doing because it was already not working before the pandemic. It's definitely very challenging right now. And we've got an opportunity to do something different. All getting our sleeves up um, with our competitors. And that's going to be a bit different for the whole industry. But we need to come together and really support um, our NHS and our social care and our, even the private care providers and third sector to, to bounce back from this and be much stronger to deliver much better outcomes. And if we all work together on this, everybody can win. You know, and I think that's what the opportunity um, is that's presenting itself to us right now. I think there's a really great opportunity for collaboration um, to do something really good for our country. Amazing. No, absolutely. And I think What's great as well is to see, you know, a lot of uh, funding coming from the centre now around some of these digital initiatives um, and actually enabling some of this we've been discussing, you know, even down to things like Unified Tech Fund, you know, we're seeing lots more and more being pointed at supporting uh, health and care sector in this way. So as you say, it's it's 
I think it's a little bit of a different way of thinking now in terms of what we're doing, but that opportunity is is huge and it's being backed, uh, you know, with with monies to actually support this move and, and this change. So it's just really exciting. So Justine, a huge thank you for spending some time with me to talk this through. Really excited about these podcasts uh, and exploring more, perhaps as we delve into a little bit more detail um, or uh, of a number of the topics that we've discussed with, with other colleagues of ours uh, within CGI over time. But again, thank you very much indeed for joining. It's been an absolute delight and a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you.